0: You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am your host, Paul Hudrick, and joined as always by Seamus Clancy. Seamus, what a time to start a Philly sports podcast, huh? Not bad. this was
2: the defining feature. This wouldn't have happened if not for this podcast.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i totally good with that. And so for today, we felt like it was appropriate. Uh, you know, the name of the podcast is Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster. And for those of you who lived under a rock when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, that is obviously a play on Jason Kelsey uh, and his speech from the Super Bowl. But it's also because uh, we'd like to drink. Some beers occasionally. occasionally. I'm a beer Um, fan. I'm a beer fan. Um, and we love dogs, so it just kind of worked out. And in that vein, you and I are gonna crack open a little beer here. Yeah, both at the Phillies koozies.
2: Look at that. We didn't even coordinate that. (laughs) Could you imagine how many koozies a person like me owns? Because I own a million to begin with. And then I don't bring one down there when I'm going to. And this isn't just this year. Obviously, I'm not drinking yeah. at Eagles games and tailgating, going in as a fan. I'm going in as a media member and all that shit. But like, oh, I have fifty koozies at home. I forgot one. I got to go buy one off like the Koozie Guy. There's a Koozie Guy. I know the Koozie. There. Yeah,
1: he got some. Ni- they're nice too. Yeah, if you they're Venmo nice
2: him, like his Venmo name is the Koozie Guy. When I was down mm-hmm. there for NLCS Game Five, I bought two koozies, one for me and my fiance Ashley each. uh, Regular size koozie, blue, red font, and the Cheers font, the, t- the classic television show Aww. Cheers says Chooch and then 51 Ruby. Classic. Classic, was nice. Yeah, that's a he's really plot. good selection. That guy. So if you really there, does, look out, and not just sports. No, no, he has. I have some Marvel yeah. like Avengers ones from him yeah. too.
1: Yeah, last game I went to, he was there, and I actually, I and we same thing. Like you know, I have of course I have koozies everywhere, but never remember them when I need them. Yeah. Um, and I thought about it. But I'm like, you know what I'm just gonna drink this beer really fast and then I don't have to worry about it getting warm. Um but let's uh what what are you drinking there, sir? What do you got? Uh, Kenwood, it's gotta stay on brand. Love it. Philadelphia's Light beer. <laughs> love it. So I, for th- everyone knows, um I am a very big craft beer fan. Uh, yeah. I have been called a beer snob by many people I know. Oh, I'm, um, in <laughs> I'm in on that now. <laughs> it is a label I wear mostly with pride uh tone was my favorite favorite local brewery right down the street but today i am drinking a Coors light and that is in honor of my uncle joe a great man who uh passed away earlier this year uh my godfather he was a south philly lifer yes had had a house down in wildwood that he would go to every every summer right on the bay in the crest and he had this little luncheonette he'd sit out there Drink a Coors Light, watch the Phillies. I'm not kidding. I don't know that he missed games. I think he just sat there on on the same bar stool every time, had himself a nice cold Coors Light, watch the Phils and I think he would be really enjoying this moment right now. So it's a cheers to Uncle Joe with the Uncle Coors Light.
2: I wish I was doing this podcast with Uncle Joe. He sounds awesome. He is. He instead was instead of you.
1: Yes, he was. Um, how do I don't. So a couple of things. One, the most laid back dude ever. Just like. Stayed out of all drama with the family, like just did his thing, enjoyed his life and simple. Right. He just kept it simple. And like and and I mean that in like the, the best terms possible, like he lived like he was happy, had a cold beer in his hand, could watch the Phillies, could look at the Bay, had his fat like, you know, my mom's family is huge. My mom's one of nine in a South Ooh. Philly row home. Imagine that growing up. Um, we were tight with one yeah <laughs> it was just I, me just me and my parents you know, and the saying. dog <laughs> that's what i'm saying so you could only imagine what that was like uh but yeah my mom's family was like an institution in south philly the mullers everyone knows the mullers um but anyway my, my uncle joe's yeah of course he's a he's a mummer was in the jokers um they gave him a really lovely send-off um very cool very cool guy my uncle joe and yeah he like i said he would be loving absolutely every single moment of this so very cool, um, but yeah, we. I, it, I what I want to bring up, speaking of good, you know, thinking about good times, remember reminiscing. We're now fourteen years from the Phillies parade was yesterday from two thousand eight, the very first parade that you and I got to experience, right? Correct. Like I, that's I'm you know I was born in eighty five, so eighty three was the last championship because of the Sixers. Did so you feel cursed we, a little bit? A little bit because I was born a little bit.
2: This is a funny story. I was born in nine, May 94. So the f- last time the Phillies made the playoffs was October 93. They didn't make the playoffs until 2007. So my whole life as a kid didn't really see the Phillies in the playoffs. This is an anecdote I like to tell. At the time not obviously the Phillies made the World Series in 1993. And that is a you know, young guy in his early 20s has a second job at UPS at the time. UPS, night it's a night shift job. Doesn't give him off for game 6 of the World Series. Mm. So he just quits that job. And then watches Joe Carter hit that home run, and unbeknownst to all parties, my mother was pregnant with me at the time. Wow,
1: I was born into chaos. That's <laughs> I, <laughs> it I just, love. I was, that. just, I was conceived with chaos. <laughs> I love that so much. See, I have a connection. So my nine, the '93 Phillies for me. So I was eight years old at the time. So that's like your first team, kind of like it was the team that got me like I played sports. My dad was obviously, you know, my dad got me into it. Uh, Like, you know, as I told you, my family, both both sides from South Philly. So and everybody loves sports. Everyone loved the Philly teams. That's the way we were. My first team was the 93 Phillies. Like, really, that was the first team that got me into sports. Fun fact, we actually went to spring training that year. So if you recall, the Phillies were very bad at baseball. From like, I mean, you know, they went to the World Series in 83. Mike Schmidt, I think, retired in like 89 or 90.
2: 89, I think. Yeah. Uh, won MVP in 86, but they didn't make the playoffs that year. And yeah. that was kind of all just a continuous downturn as all those guys got older and left and everything like
1: that. Right. So um, 1993 spring training. No one's there. It's empty because they stunk. And they were actually, I remember, like they were predicted to finish behind the Marlins who were an expansion team that year. That's how bad this, these Phillies were. So um, very cool experience for me. One of the coolest things was Harry Callis. Uh, It was this, this is how accessible these things used to be. We went up to the announcer's booth, Harry Callis, Richie Ashburn, just sitting there, go right up to him. Um, And Harry Callis used to do this thing where if you went down there for spring training, he would say such and such here, to watch the Phillies here in Clearwater. And I vividly remember he said, you know, the Hudricks are here from Belmar, New Jersey. And it was like the coolest, most mind-blowing thing ever. We have like, it's still on a VHS tape somewhere. Don't know where. Um, You have to,
2: your parents have to find it. Like my parents just, before me and Paul started (laughs) recording, uh, I went to my parents' house. My parents still live in South Philadelphia. So I went to their house last night. I'm um, thinking that we we're going to watch team three of the World Series together. Obviously, that gets postponed, but we still have dinner together, all that stuff. Me and my fiance, Ashley. And then, as we're getting ready to record, my dad calls me. He's like, I got two great pieces of news. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like, what? And I'm like, Do you have like tickets? Did, did you win the lottery? Did I like, like, I'm thinking money with my parents? Like, something crazy happened with that. And she's, and they're like, One, uh, mom, and this is my dad talking, Mommy doesn't need to buy a Phillies hat because you said, that you were going to give her one of yours so that saves us money so that's good news one number two uh we found your shane victorino jersey that you were looking for earlier in the month and i'm like that's great that's that's one that's the family equivalent of when you say a work meeting could have been an email like that that phone call could have been a text hey let me know what hat you're giving your mother and also we found your shane victorino jersey great news yeah
1: great news uh great news but That's what I needed I, in my
2: house, more Philadelphia sports apparel. I actually well, didn't have enough, yeah.
1: Right, 100%. So, well, one of the cool stories is my favorite player, don't know why, don't ask why, was Kevin Stocker. He came up that year in 93. I gravitated towards him. He became my favorite player. The next year we went to spring training, of course, packed. Everyone's there because they just went to the World Series. Uh, but at one point, Kevin Stocker breaks his bat at, at during batting practice when we're there. And you have to imagine me, uh, nine years old, I looked like the little kid from Jerry Maguire. That is a that is a fact. I had this blonde, very, very blonde, spiky hair, gold ring glasses, like dead ringer. And I just he didn't sign autographs. I think he had like a wrist injury or something. So he was going like right back to the trainer's room. And I just yelled out, Kevin Stocker, my favorite player. Comes up to me, hands me his broken bat, walks off. Uh got him to sign it, got a picture with it. So and that's I'm literally looking at it right now. It's in the corner of my office here. So um yeah, it's it, like obvious reasons why I love sports, why I love the Phillies. Um, one of those, how can you not be romantic about baseball things? But uh, 2008. So, how old were you in 2008? I can't do math
2: 14. I was a freshman in high school. Uh, when they won the World Series, it was I just yeah. started my freshman year of high school. So, so our, I, say the, I say the parade was the last day of my childhood, is the way I say it. Very poetic. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah, so ours. Our celebrations were probably very different because I was 23. So yeah, we I w- in we- retrospect, I
2: wish I had your celebration, I think.
1: Listen, um, some things from that night I won't share and I will never share. <laughs> um sure, like some I things you don't remember. I got to celebrate mm. uh, <laughs> something I wish I didn't. Uh uh, but it was me and my two best friends. So that was cool. Okay. Like we got we yeah. got to celebrate yeah. it. That was very, very cool that we got to enjoy that moment. Um yeah, it was a wild night. But I remember here's what I remember vividly, too, because this is a, this is sort of akin to your story. Um, so 14 years ago on November 1st, my nephew was born, my sister's okay. first child. And Halloween was the parade. So my cousin and I went down to the parade. My sister was in the hospital getting induced on October 31st. So we saw the parade, went to the hospital, saw her for a little bit. Next day, here was my nephew. So like for me. Like, just wild, cool memories of that. And, like, now it's, it's really cool because now he's, you know, understanding what's happening with yeah. the Phillies and, you know, um, and it's our family. It's a very cool moment. So, yeah, baseball, man. This rules. We're having yeah. so much fun.
2: I was at game five of the World Series, both halves. Love that. And I'll tell you a story. This is a good story. This is not just me being a jerk off story. So, at the time, my best friend, still my best friend to this day, best friend from first grade to now. 20, 25 years, whatever we're at. His dad did a lot of uh, business, traveling, stuff like that. And he would get a lot of tickets to sporting events. Um, so he got tickets to the World Series from work. And he had two and gave me, gave his son one, Michael, my best friend. But he was going to be out of town for work that day. So he would normally would have went. So he gave it to me and allowed me to go. And then obviously the game gets delayed, it gets split in both halves. So by the time the second game starts, he's back in town. But then he lets me still go to the game and go. Ah. And then I remember after the game, and again, me and my best friend, we're we're both freshmen in high school, we're 14. So we're pretty young. We're not partying or drinking or anything like that, walking. So we're walking back from the stadium. We're going down 10th Street in South Philly. And we're like, cell phones aren't the same way. We each had cell phones, but it's not the smartphone era. So it's a little different. We're trying to navigate and find wherever his dad is or whatever to pick us up. And a car just pulls up. And it's funny because of what you're drinking uh, driver, Uh, passenger window goes down. My dad is drinking a Coors Light in a brown paper bag, and his dad is just s- smashing the horn like nonstop. And then he died the following summer. Um. And that's, that's like my thing. I always think of him for that and yeah. thank him for that. And he was, you know, he was like a second father to me at the same time. We were, our families were very, very close. I still do Thanksgiving. Like we do Thanksgiving and holidays with them. That's how close our families are. Um, so when I think about the Phillies and I think about a championship, I think about him a lot.
1: It's just like, yeah, we, I didn't expect all of us, you know, to be in our but, fields. So yeah, but that's, but that's, pocket, what, the, but it's, that's know, what it's, that's what it's for. It does. No, it's, it's so true. It's like, this is, this is why it means so much to all of us, right? Like, this is why, you know, when people look people outside, maybe the city and others, you know, not as prevalent sports cities. Yeah. Like different. what it was with you weirdos. Like you don't get it. We're, we're in this, like we got, we got, we were born into this, but I'll tell you what, it's funny. Cause I, so for me for 2008, for that first game five, uh, me and one of my best friends, we set it up. We're like, oh, we're going to go to this bar. And it's still actually yeah, my yeah. favorite bar Dom's down the street, Dominic's Tavern. Fantastic wings. I think they're the best um, I've ever had. But anyway, um, we coordinated. Uh, I-, I was going with my parents. He was bringing his parents. Like we were cool. going. Like it was all exciting. And game five, and then that happens, and-, and the delay happens. And I remember my dad vividly. I remember he turned to me and he said, dude, have I not raised you? Like, of course, this was going to happen. Like, yeah, <laughs> like just the, like this is this is how it always is. It was We're never going to be easy. It was never right? going to be easy. Yeah. This is how this is how this is. This was how this is always going to be. Um. But yeah, and then a couple of days later, obviously getting to enjoy the moment Um. at a different bar and having some rowdy things happen after that. But that's maybe I could tell you that off podcast. That, on, that, so that's on, like so a, that's a Patreon exclusive podcast. <laughs> exactly. Um. So, yeah, but. Uh here we are back in the World Series. It's 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 2022. It's November. The Phillies split with the Astros which feels significant um considering both of their aces did not have their ace stuff uh did not pitch particularly well. Phyllis bullpen has yet
2: to let up a run in the World Series.
1: That's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible the way they've they've really hung on. Um so some would argue that that day off would have really helped the Phillies some have argued that it actually helps the Astros cuz they used a lot of their better relievers yeah. for games 1 and 2 um and maybe they can you know give Verlander another start and give him a shot at redemption maybe go back to Valdez so there's that um so i guess we'll start there like what, what were you happy with the split and do you think that either team has an advantage um with that delay happening and and getting the more rest <laughs>
2: If he told me, like I said this fr- uh, Saturday night when I was at home with, I only watched. I worked a lot Saturday for the game, so I wasn't, you know, hanging out with my friends and stuff like that. Uh, so after the game, they lose. Obviously, they go down really early. They have, you know, some semblance of a light late life late, but doesn't doesn't result in anything. Doesn't they don't have that massive comeback they did in game
1: one. Trover just missed giving it to him twice. <laughs> I, I thought it. I mean, he's
2: he's rounding the base pass. I've really never seen a guy round the base pass on a fake home run or fake <laughs> or foul home run. I should say not like a fake home run. But I'm, I'm feeling – I'm down in the dumps a little bit, you know. Uh, I'm thinking – you tell me 48 hours ago the Phillies would split and Houston I'd be overjoyed, but why do I feel like shit right now? That's the same thing that happened in San Diego, right? You, you The way yeah. they blew the leading game too. Exactly. You go out there and split, and that's exactly what they needed to do. So you have to be happy with that. Um, in terms of the delay and who would that helps, so I think it's mostly a wash. What would have been beneficial for the Phillies – would have been having wheeler pitch on the same day he was scheduled to do originally in this rotation and then they gave him an extra day of rest which makes me think a couple of things one they don't he's not going to be able to pitch you know game five and game seven he's just not physically able to do that and because he's not able to do that i wonder if we even get whenever if the series goes there whether the phillies win or the astros win, if if it forces a game six I'm concerned about his arm and this isn't like a, he's a loser He's he doesn't have it he doesn't have gr- yeah. I think he's having significant injury issues that are compounding because of how late he's pitching in the season he's never pitched this far into a season before yeah. he's never pitched this long in a year before and he's had some injuries he had off-season injuries his, his season started late he was in the he was on what on the IL in September too yeah And you look at that fastball velocity, when he's usually between 97, 99 in the first inning, he was hanging around 94, 96 in the first inning. And I think he, you could tell that fastball, that four-seamer wasn't there because he's throwing that slider all the time and he had that leg injury and really couldn't plant with that. And he wasn't fooling anyone with that. That was outside every time. They were taking it every time. And it was his lowest uh, rate of four-seam fastballs he's thrown in his entire Phillies career. Obviously not a long period of time, but... That shows you, that illustrates that his number one pitch isn't working for him. If that's not going to work for him, I don't know what you can really expect from him against a lineup that won 106 games this year. And you saw in game two, it's a talented lineup. This lineup has been in these big games before. They haven't always won them. They haven't always won them. They've had these experience before. And I wonder, situation, hey, it's what if it's Astros 3-2 going back to Houston and he's pitching on the mound and you're thinking – Maybe it's over in three innings. That's what I would be worried about if I was a Phillies fan.
1: Agreed. It's it's hard to watch because he's been so good. And, yeah, and so I feel, I feel so bad. He's been so right.
2: good this year. He's had so many – it's been great in the playoffs too. He's yeah. been the best dominant. Phillies. It's not even – I'm not I, I'm not the biggest Aaron o guy. I'm not just throwing shade at Nola, but he's been the best pitcher the Phillies have had since Cliff Lee in 2012. And it's a shame that we're watching him – I want to say his body's breaking down. I'm not saying he's like like Roy Halladay in 2011 or whatever. Right. But Breaking down for this specific season, it's hard to watch. And I'd be someone saying, I'd love for him to have this and You know, it's, it's just one game, right? Anything can happen in one game. Yeah. He could touch that 98, 99. He give them, maybe he gives them five and two thirds innings of one hit, one run ball. And you should be ecstatic about that. But again, if I was a Phillies fan, guess I am, uh, I'd be worried about that situation. And I think it's very telling that they're bumping him back in the rotation yeah. again and not giving him that opportunity to make multiple appearances again in the series.
1: Yeah. it's it, you, you hate with injury too because think about how dominant he's been with that and imagine a one, you know, no one's close to 100%, but like imagine a closer to 100% Zach Wheeler pitching in this postseason and how dominant he could have. been. He went into that start with a whip of like 0. 0.5 that's preposterous. Like he was ridiculously dominant. Um, And it's, it's clear there's an injury there. It's clear. He's not fully healthy. And yeah, we were talking about the point with the fastball, how it was the lowest, he's the lowest amount he's thrown. And that's, that's all he was doing. Like he was just throwing gas throughout the playoffs. Like he was just get, like he was locating so well and there was movement on it. And it was any, and he's throwing at 97 to 99. It was, he was so hard to hit. And then, that's what makes, to your point, that's what makes the slider, that's what makes the curveball so much more effective is when he's throwing off of that fastball being so good and when he can elevate that fastball. Because when you're throwing 94-95 and you're throwing it up, that's not that's a meatball. That's no longer a, a good pitch. That's a, that's a pitch that's very, very hittable. Um, So, yeah, to the, for them to win the series, Aaron Nolas has to bounce back. I mean, that's two rough starts in a row for him. He has to bounce back at his next start. They have to get the Aaron Knoll that we saw for the, for the large majority of this season. And yeah, you Zach know. Wheeler's going to have to give them something. Um, yeah. I, I, like m- m- like you said, it's, it's one game. Maybe he can ramp it up for that one game and feel a little bit better and, and get it going. Chet Stedman and rookie of the year style. <laughs> exactly. Just that one start. He just needs just to get him through. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Ranger on the mound. I, I think he's going to give, I think he's actually going to give them a pretty good start. I think he's, it's, looking- a, it's a high upside play. Yeah. Uh, uh, And you know what? I. Syndergaard has been okay. Like, he really, he's held up okay. I mean, you're going to have to use a bunch of relievers when he pitches. You're not, you know, you're probably going to get one time through the order at best because this is a a deep, dangerous lineup. That's probably what you're going to get. But I feel confident he can give you that and not put you in a position where you feel like you're going to be way down. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to feel like you're still in the game when he leaves, I feel like. And just all the credit in the world to this bullpen. That's that's getting held together. You know, um, it's Dominguez has been so great. Topper's Alvarado, managing
2: his ass off. Yes, he is.
1: He really is. The like, one,
2: the one thing I, I do have to complain is, you had to start Scott Stott in Game Two. You had to start him, and then when he pinch hits, he has the best about anyone had taken the entire right. game. He's right. a guy who's an everyday player. I might say he's Chase Utley, but I think he's going to be this. No, I agree. This, with I'm with this high character. High floor type player does a little bit of everything really well, and I'm excited what he's going to prove beyond this year too. And
1: those uh, at bats are are demoralizing when he's working yeah. a count and, and making a guy throw ten pitches and then works a walk or gets a hit. Like yeah. that's 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 demoralizing for the for the opposition, and it yeah. gives your entire offense a boon. Like I, I really do think that stuff is contagious if it floods yeah. through. So when he does that and has that great at bat, it frustrates the hell out of the pitcher. And the next guy should be up getting ready to swing and jump on a fastball right away, right? Like I I I'm with you. I think he's an everyday player and should be playing every day. The Marsh Veerling thing I don't feel nearly as strongly about because neither yeah. guy has been very good. Um Marsh obviously came up with that huge home run against Atlanta, but other than that, um Marsh is I would say a, a better defender, but it's but Veerling's actually a pretty darn good one too. Yeah. So uh, to me that's kind of negligible. But yeah, I, I'm with you that I, I would be playing Stott over Sosa. I
2: have one last Zach Wheeler point. Yes. So if you if you told someone before the series, Phillies win game one. Game two, Zach Wheeler's on the mound. He's pitching, and the bullpen lets up zero runs that game. You're thinking the Phillies are up 2-0 and coming home yeah. and sweeping in four. It's demoralizing, and it's not a slight to Zach. I'm, I'm not saying he – yeah, I, I really, really like Zach Wheeler. Again, I've been kind yeah. of – have fun being a, a Nola hater sometimes, and he hasn't pitched well <laughs> late, but he's had some huge, huge starts. He's made, played, pitched two of his best games in a Phillies uniform in the last three or four weeks, so credit to him for what he's done. Uh, just a shame with Mueller. It's it's more, I um, feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for the situation yeah, and in the way it's unfolding at the worst possible time.
1: And you, you wonder, too, with Nola, I mean, it's... It's fair to wonder if he's got some fatigue going on. He threw a lot I mean, of innings this
2: year. It's the same thing. He's never pitched this long in a yeah. season before. He's never pitched, you know, pitchers and catchers in February all the way to November. It's that takes, season, toll, that takes a toll. That takes a toll on your body as a pitcher if you've never done that before.
1: Right. So I, I think you know, it wouldn't be crazy to suggest that they're both kind of going through a little something there. It's worst possible time, but you know, it is Are what it at- is. I, Aren't you Go. happy there's
2: no DH now when they have to have these bullpen games? Oh, yes. I was always pro-DH. so happy there's Because I yes. love the idea of just having uh, – it, it worked. I mean, also, if there was no DH, the Phillies wouldn't be here because Harper wouldn't be able to play. So they exactly. would have been eliminated long ago or they would have lost in the wild card round and else DS, whatever.
1: And I just don't need to see a pitcher bat. I just don't what need you, to see it.
2: What Do you, do you want Bailey Falter or – I don't know. Do you want Connor Brogdon hitting in the sixth inning of the World Series because you're scared to use your bench, guys, because of how much stuff you have going on?
1: Yeah. So no. waste.
2: And and again, like Clayton Kershaw homers or Zach Greinke homers. Those are cool things. Joe Blanton's home run in the 2008 World Series. Legendary moment. But no also there's a legendary moment. All Bryce Harper's home runs when he's yes. playing DH. So th- give me that.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you 100. Um, I'm, um, I've, oh, and like you said, I've always been pro DH. I've always wanted the DH in the National League. I never understood why it took so long to get that. And two, if like from from a league standpoint, one that's more runs, so that's more entertainment. Two, Correct. from like the players' association standpoint, that's more jobs, right? That's, yeah, it's that's an extra job, and that's,
2: and that's a guy that's not making that's not a minimum salary guy. That's a guy right. that's making He's seven, eight every day dollars probably. Right. Yeah, and w- from the generation where. You know, I grew up in the early 2000s, Yankees, Red Sox, and, you know, all these aging sluggers hitting 35, 40 bombs a year. So I was always, I was born into the, the steroid era, the big bodied power hitter. So I want as many of those guys, whether they're on the Phillies or just populating baseball like totally.
1: Someone like Edgar Martinez, like, right? Like, might be the greatest designated hitter to ever play baseball. Like, there was like debate if he should be a Hall of Famer at one point because he was only a DH. And it's like, what? Like, well, the no, thing with
2: the, the DH debate to me is, so it would have been better if he played first base and was a terrible fucking fielding first right. baseman. That would have been better for the team. No, he did exactly what he needed to do. He's mm-hmm. one of the best hitters of the 90s. He wasn't a big power guy at DH, but it was hit for average. I think he won a couple of batting titles. Uh, was on some some absolutely great, great teams. And he did it a little differently in the stairway to than the other hitters were doing. So credit to him for that and – what it would have been better if he was the worst left fielder in baseball for 10 years, that would have been better for his hall of fame credentials. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. It's dumb.
1: It's dumb. Um, how are you feeling about, uh, this is now Tuesday. How are you feeling about Tuesday night's game and the games going forward? Three, three games. Let's talk about, I mean, let's talk about that too. Like it's going to be a zoo. It's going to, and I mean that in the most glowing terms possible, it's going to be a zoo. It's going to be wonderful down there. Um, what are your thoughts on the next three games? What do you think it's going to be like down there? My mojo is a
2: little off because I have tickets to game four. So I was expecting to do this podcast and then head down to the stadium. So I'm feeling a little off with that. That killed my vibe. I would have loved, loved to have seen a Halloween game at Bank Park. I would have loved to see the costumes, people going nuts, having fun, you know, seeing people dressed up as Spider-Man or Thor with, because we thought Noah Syndergaard was going to be pitching in game three. All that stuff would have been fun. But you kind of have to say, hey, that's baseball. This isn't the first time that a Phillies game has been postponed or delayed with the weather. It's actually happened in every World Series for them since 1993, whether it either had a delay or a total postponement. So it, it is what it out is. It the last time. It did work out. And I was there both times. <laughs> uh, so it, that is what it is. Uh Crushed my vibes last night. Like I, I said, I'd, I'd gone to my parents' house. I was like, I never had watched a World Series with my dad, I don't think. Even though they had been in there two years, my dad worked a lot of irregular shifts, night, work, day, work, back and forth. Um, you know, sometimes I had school and different things going on. So um, I really wanted to watch last, night. I really wanted them to play. But just as am tonight. So let's go. You Are you feeling a win? Yeah. Okay. I said Phillies in five before, just being – the homer journalist that I am you know I'm going to stick with it why not
1: I like it yeah I still I stand by that they have to win in five or they're not going to win the series yeah that was our um, take last week right yeah, yeah if they I, don't I, win I heard, in five yeah, they're I not going to win the true. series yeah which is but <laughs> listen hey I am not doubting this damn team not <laughs> to this point
2: they can they can get out of any hole possibly yes and I think that's a big thing for not just the team and their energy their vibes their morale but as a fan base I had some people over. I had a Halloween party scheduled on Friday, like a couple months in advance We we schedule a Halloween party, give everyone invites and stuff like that. And obviously it had to turn into a double Halloween party slash World Series party. And having fun with my friends. we got a good crowd, you know, 15, 20 people in my apartment. We're watching the game. They go down big early, but there was no this. The life wasn't sucked out of the apartment. The life wasn't sucked out of the party because we were together and we had seen this team come back from big deficits. We knew what this offense could bring. And then we saw... Truly one of the greatest games in the history of Philadelphia sports.
1: Yeah, I, I lost my mind when you, and like, uh, you know, obviously we have a baby sleeping right above us. So we have to be kind of gentle with our freak out moments. But I definitely freaked out when real to when real new to hit that home run. I jumped out of the jumped off the couch, freaked out. My fiance was dozing and it was dozing off in and out and just would wake up to me yelling at the TV for something. Did um, so you think it was gone moment. off
2: the bat? I certainly did not
1: i didn't i was not sure i stood up because i knew i i knew he had hit it well and i know how small that stadium is and how small it plays so i figured it either had a chance to go or had a chance to like at least be like off the wall or a tough play uh you know fighting the crowd so um i figured we were off to a good start for that inning so i was happy to, so i i was gearing up for that excitement then when i went over lost my mind completely um yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm still. I'm still gonna say Phillies and five just because I feel like I have to keep that faith going. Right. I just. I just have to do it. Um, it's Phillies and
2: five until proven otherwise.
1: Yes. And I, again, not doubting this team, this baseball team. And I. I love some of the stuff that's been written and some of the, like comparisons. I know. Um, Matt Gelba the Athletic had that really good. I can't remember the exact phrase, and I apologize for that. But it was something to the effect of they. They're like like the the Astros are this well oiled machine that's like built like built to win baseball games. And the Phillies are like, they're the party crashers who were already three beers deep and yeah. just having a good time. Like that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. And I love that. And they're the underdogs and I am enjoying them being an underdog. I think it's fun. And I enjoy all the people needing a diaper change over the playoff format. That's only adding to the sweetness of all this. Um So yeah, it's great. Unblock we'll
2: me, unblock me, John Heyman, you coward.
1: <laughs> oh, he had a terrible take today. So you, you're not missing anything. Um, Something about how we need to let the Astros cheating thing go. Yet he made a reference to Boeing's throwing snowballs to Santa Claus. Okay, John. I, um, I follow him like. on my
2: burner so I could see what he says, though. So.
1: <laughs> Love it. I didn't know you had a burner. Good for you, KD. Um, I don't
2: shit talk, people. It's more okay. so. Just to follow uh, couch shit blocking. <laughs> no, it's, it's more of a close. I mean, they have Twitter circle now. It's more so like mm. that uh, where yeah. I kind of I fire off takes. During games, I couldn't fire off on my personal account.
1: I enjoy that. I enjoy that a great deal. We're going to get into more takes about your Philadelphia Eagles who had another impressive victory. They are now 7-0. We're going to get into a little bit of Sixers and a little bit of Flyers. We're not going to have a lot of time to talk about them, but they got long season. So uh, justifiably, the Phillies and the Eagles are going to get more of our attention right now. But we're going to take a quick break more on the Thirsty Dog Strength Faster podcast right after this. We are back and now we are moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles who are 7 and 0, still the only undefeated team in all of football. Uh after a pretty dominant win over the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think you and I were both on the same page that we kind of felt like What that was your final win.
2: score? Mine was 34-14. You had a similar one. You, dude, you might have had Something. 35. You might have had 35-13. I didn't have did him score 35. I think I had 30, like 30. Think I had 30.
1: 34-13? Did you do that? I think you I might have been like, like 31 13, I think. I feel We're like pretty that's close. Yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. Um, it was
2: just an easy one. Uh, kind of the yeah. blueprint we had discussed. I said it was, you know, middle of the 2017 season vibes. They are just rolling, steamrolling through all these mediocre to bad teams. And that's exactly what they did. It was one of those games. Yeah, the, you know, then the first half, it was an 11 point game, but it was just over, just yeah, over you felt in it. Houston. And then the Eagles will be playing at the same time against Houston, against same time the Phillies are playing Houston on Thursday which is going to be uh the craziest work day of my life assuredly. <laughs> especially if it's a clinching situation for the Phillies which not guaranteed not guaranteed but theoretically the Phillies could be clinching that night it's going to be uh an amazing beautiful disaster and I'm excited for it but I think that's more the same right they're gonna, it's going to be over at halftime and yes. everyone can put their attention to the Phillies and it's not like and I don't think this team is is this is the least trapped teamy of all time in terms of how they conduct themselves Hand they can how they uh, handle their business. And that speaks to one, the coaching staff, Nick Sirianni, who he is. And that speaks to the demeanor of Jalen Hurts. Do you think Jalen Hurts is having a trap game going back to his hometown? No. Absolutely not. Do you think he's doing that when it's on national television? I don't think so. Does he think he's doing that? Do you think the whole team's doing that when the, the city's attention is on another team? Absolutely not right now. And no, they're the focus. They're, they, they are not a trap. This is. Not that they're like a Bill Belichick squad, but this is like Patriots level, where like they are like, uh, you know, crash and burn. They're gonna take down everyone, seek and destroy mode. It doesn't matter. There's no trap games for this team. I think the first one they're gonna have is in week 17 or 18 when they're uh, the first loss they're gonna have is in week 17 or week 18 when they're actually just resting people because they wow. don't. I don't think they care about uh, having an undefeated record, and they I no, think they, they don't. Should. They do not care about that. I think Nick Siriani would actually like them to have a loss. Not not in the real game, but I think uh, you know, just the way he conducts himself, I think would be easier for the locker room. And, you know, kind of takes off some pressure if they're what is it, you know, 15 and 2 or 16 and one going into that. And maybe it's me being a homer, being someone who grew up an Eagles fans out, media member, but this team is just really freaking good. They're playing a lot of bad teams. Yes, and they conduct themselves uh perfectly, just top the to bottom of the organization. First raid and um I expect to be in February covering the team at the Super Bowl. Truly.
1: I'd say what I don't bodes expect, on. I don't I'm not saying they're gonna win the Super Bowl, but I expect I got you. them to be in the Super Bowl. What what bodes well is definitely the schedule because even the teams the games you look at where you're like, all right, that could be the one. Um, you know, they play the Packers, and I know the Packers aren't aren't uh, up to snuff right now, and I know Aaron Rodgers has not been great, but he's still Aaron Rodgers. It's a that's what yeah, I was getting right. at. Yep, right. but it's still at home. Uh, the next week they play the Titans, who same thing. Like they they can give you a tough game. They they can they, you know they can they can ground and pound and, and play some tough defense. But guess what? That's also at home. Uh, so I, I think that's that's hugely in their favor. I, I think they will drop. A division game to either the Giants or the Cowboys. I could see the game, game
2: going to the first Giants game. They're going to go to yeah. the Middlelands, right? Like that. Uh, I could see. As that. of late, they haven't had all the success in the world against that Giants team. They lost there last year, and it was a real slop fest. Obviously, they have a new head coach. They're a little bit re-energized, and obviously, the Eagles are still a much different team from last year. So, and they're going to have the target.
1: Yeah, a target they have on the target back. Back. they're going to get. They're, they're going to get everything the Giants have. Cause they're going to be so fired up. The crowd's going to be so fired up because they will be dying to give the Eagles that first loss. So I, that's why I kind of, I, I lean towards, um, and I guess I lean more towards giants than Cowboys cause Cowboys. Again, that's at home. Um, the next, or no, sorry. That's no, a, so, I'm sorry. yeah, sorry. It's yeah. Christmas Eve. Yeah. Mixing in my days. Up. Um, so I guess either one of those, uh, I think could be the one. And then Dallas is going to feel like they're, they owe us one because, Whatever they beat the Eagles, you know, or they lost to the Eagles without Dak Prescott, so they're gonna kind of have. they're I, I'm just saying. I think from a mental no, I completely agree. Point, but I'm yeah. I'm really getting my eyes at
2: every Dallas fan on Twitter <laughs> that I end up interacting with, like a sicko. Uh
1: but no, but it's just it, it's yeah, it, it, and and I think you're like you're right that this team is not like they're not gonna lose to a bad team. Like okay. I don't see that happening. I I think any any game that they should win, they will win. I, I believe Correct. that. But there's just going to be, like I said, that the, when they play the Giants, that game is going to mean way more to the Giants than it's going to mean to the Eagles for so many reasons. It's going to mean way more. And Dable's going to be, you know, he's going to want to kind of put his imprint on things and set that tone and be like, all right, this is our, you know, this is our first game against the Eagles. Like, this is a big rivalry. Yada, yada. You know how that goes. Um, so he's really going to want to make an impression. And I'm sure the team's going to feel that and so on and so forth. But that said, Daniel Jones thinks he's not a good quarterback. And I I, that's that's all going to, that's a house of cards with him anyway. Um, and I think this actually speaks to how good of a coach Brian Dable is that Daniel Jones has looked like an actual starting NFL quarterback at times is yeah, that that's all Brian Dable. Good for him.
2: Um, I wanted the Eagles to hire him when they hired Sirianni and I yeah, think we it worked out. Before, yeah, yeah, did we? That's that worked out splendidly for the Eagles. No I really regrets did. there. I, I think it worked out perfectly. He's the exact guy they needed And uh the yeah. combo of him, Shane, and quarterback coach Brian Johnson has completely unlocked Jalen Hurts, but I like what dabble, who Dabble is, and I think and I'm uh, tremendous hire for them.
1: You didn't say a word about this, and you know why I'm wearing this, for those of you who no, are not. They got introduced as the Batman. Did you see that? I did not. So for those of you who are not watching on YouTube right now and are listening, I am wearing a Batman shirt. Uh, cause be, because Swole Batman had such a great game that he got drug tested afterward. Um, so they got introduced as yeah, the, bat, the, intro. the Batman
2: Uh, Quez, uh, Smitty, and AJ got announced as a trio when they did the starting offensive player introductions, PA introductions on Sunday
1: I like it. I like it very much.
2: They played dancing on my own after the win.
1: I saw that. I retweeted you on that because that was wonderful. The vibes are just so great. Um, I
2: I like tweeting out whatever – when you're in the auditorium waiting for the press conferences, uh, usually the locker room isn't open yet, but you can hear them blasting music because there's a door that connects – uh, the press conference area and the link locker room and they must have had like i don't know who took the playlist it was a little different than usual they were playing 1901 by phoenix take me out by franz ferdinand and i was like did they steal my playlist this is <laughs> you know, uh, like like against the after dallas they were they were jammed into uh backseat freestyle by kendrick which is an all time song in itself but definitely different vibes than take me out
1: I like it. Interesting. Change yeah. things up. No, I like shaking things up. It's always good. You got It's a diverse fan base with diverse music taste, so I, I very much enjoy that. Um, yeah.
2: They were playing Hypnotized before they got into some of those rock songs, too, by Biggie, so it was a little bit of everything. This team is a little bit of everything. They can beat you in yeah. so many different ways. They can counter you in so many
1: different ways. It is Love a pick, instructing. Pick, your poison, pick your poison offense, which yeah. I, and I, I think – Romo did a really good job. I mean, I'm you know, you were obviously covering the game, but Roma did a really good job on the broadcast kind of breaking that down and how, in a way, this Eagles offense is like sort of revolutionary. They're doing something that's a little different than maybe like even like a Lamar Jackson has done in Baltimore, like with Jalen Hurts, because Jalen Hurts says, and that's, listen, I love Lamar Jackson, so this is not me taking a swipe at Lamar Jackson. Um, you heard it here first. But, but, but Jalen Hurts, his improvements as a passer, um, which are real, very, very real. Those two deep balls, the last two to AJ Brown. Oh my goodness, like they were dimes. Absolute. Yes. D- the first one was a little, a little dicey with, with Mika Fitzpatrick kind of. I think that was more of a stowed up there. You're, yeah. you're, you're a. Su- there. you're a superstar wired out.
2: And you <laughs> paid him all this money. You yep. traded all these draft picks for him.
1: Go make a play. And
2: that's they should do that more often. They yes. really should do that more often.
1: The AJ Brown, AJ Brown down there somewhere, uh meme. Uh and it's just dude, I I just we said it to start the season. And I'm just, it's, it's just to vibes. So much to vibes. With, it's with hard to be so right sometimes. <laughs> right. I'm telling you. Uh But what's good is the quarterback and him are best friends. So that should continue to be a good thing. And we shouldn't have to worry about, um, you know, what happened with Tio. We don't have you know, to talk about that, but yeah, I just get such vibes because he's been so dominant and just, and the celebration where he points and get torn away. I love it. Taunt. Imagine that, if,
2: Imagine if Donovan and To didn't hate each other. I think that's what we're looking at right now. And they were both the younger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That'd and there's special. definitely, there are definitely some parallels with Donovan and, and Jalen and, and his totally. improvement. And that's yeah. that. And like, yeah, it, there's definitely some parallels there. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's a fun time to be a Philadelphia sports fan, uh, especially the Phillies and the Eagles. And Hey, Hey, your Philadelphia 76ers, they are, uh, they're 500. Jameis, 500.
2: Maxi dropping 44 during the biggest Phillies game in (laughs) almost 15 years is a damn shame.
1: I watched every second of it. It was
2: great. Uh, I didn't see, I didn't see a second of it.
1: There was, there was the second half. He just had this ridiculous run and I, uh, you know, my, my what'd he start? 10 for 10? uh, I believe 10 for 10 from field, seven for seven from three. And he ended up nine of 12 from
2: three, I believe. Sounded about Uh, right.
1: He had, I have this bit on Twitter it's mostly been through Joel Embiid where every time he does something that's insane i just say holy shit joel embiid where it's like an indescribable thing and it's like wow yeah. this guy's doing things to no one should be doing uh i've extended it out at times uh to james harden and and certainly now to tyrese maxey and i had multiple ones uh <laughs> on, on friday night and including the i, I mean the there was a, a stretch where he just he hits a pull up three and you're like Ooh, okay then he hits another pull up three. Then he hits this drive, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Like it was just like one of those moments where you just felt him being like, "Okay, I'm like, I- I'm on fire. I know I'm on fire. I'm stepping on your throats right now, and I'm winning this damn game." And there was a little bit of that in the DC game too, where he took took the game over at moments. The Sixers just need to find a way. How do they harness that? So like when Joel Embiid is playing, when James Harden is playing, when everyone's. How do they get that out of Tyrese Maxey when all those guys are playing? Um, It's a good problem to have to have three guys that are this dynamic that can take over games at, at any point. Um, Maybe Joel B just needs to kind of step back a little bit and let these guys do their thing. And then when he's needed and he'll kind of find his space. Um, I thought he was excellent the other night in Chicago. He came up with another again. No one was watching, but he came up with he had a huge game winning three. And then he played such terrific defense in that fourth quarter. Demar Rosen, Demar Rosen, who was awesome by the way, uh, drove to the basket, makes a great drive, and B challenges his shot at the rim. The best, I mean, and he's done this to Demar a couple of times where he's just had these amazing challenges at the rim on him. Uh, Demar misses the layup, Sixers win, and it's just he was spectacular in that regard. So, two and zero without you, and B too. So, I, how do you kind of um, balance that, like, with being happy that they're two and zero without Joel B while also being like maybe this much concerned that they're two and zero without Joel B?
2: Well, I wonder if Maxi, when you're seeing him explode like this as a you know a one B option or two option to Harden out there, you're wondering if that perimeter scoring is getting minimized when Embiid is out there, and then when you get to the postseason, you're wondering you're having. Uh, if you're running most of your offense through your your center in the post, and obviously Joel is a multifaceted player who can score from the perimeter, he can score off the dribble, he can do so many different things. Um, but I think sometimes you really truly do need elite guard play in the, in the modern NBA in the postseason to advance and get deep and deep into the postseason, into the playoffs, into the finals. And I'd like to see Maxi get some more reps as a lead dog during the regular season in case they really needs to be, you know, not just the Tyrese Maxi game, the Tyrese Maxi series come April, May, and June. And I would say, I made a kind of an outlandish comparison on uh, a pot or two ago. But would you call Tyrese's Friday performance Steph Curry-esque?
0: Ooh.
2: Or you may remember I said, he, is he on the Steph trajectory? And I was yeah, like 75% serious.
1: I guess I see a little bit more prime Dean. I like that. Um, that's better. I think that's better. Yeah, I see a little bit more Dane. He seems more like slender,
2: like slendery, uh, like Steph is, I think, where my head goes there.
1: I hear you. Uh, but I think the speed, and not to say that Steph Curry is by any means slow. He's very, very fast. But I just think Dame, when he was first coming up and he was just like as good of a shooter as he, as he is now and as he has become and as he really always was, like his speed, too, was part of what made him so dangerous. And I think that's, where, I mean, it's so hard. Because Max, it's just there isn't, isn't a good con, somewhat, there isn't a good contour. Well, one that I saw that I actually think is kind of fair. And I just wrote about him on for SB Nation. Um, it, John Wall with a better jumper. Yeah, because John yeah. Wall, when he was in his prime, was one of the most explosive players I had ever seen in my entire life. Um That's why I think Ja is more so. Yeah, yeah. no, I could see that. See, I think Jaws more. You don't uh, want to John hear my, Wall two. John Wall two What do you think? You thinking? don't want to hear my Jock comparison who I think uh, Can I try to? Can I, I to try to, to guess? No, don't, don't, because I don't want to have to acknowledge it. Um, Penny Hardaway. Uh, I don't. Three, nope. Penny Hardaway four I will not be acknowledged. I will not be giving Let's, that one publicly. Give it to me. Give it to me, I it I to res- me after the pod. Uh, yeah. I respect your... I dropped the stuff comparison, And sharing the Steph comparison. I dropped the Steph comparison, in, the comparison. I, dropped, I, I not, Steph comparison. doing that here. Um, it's a big one, though. But yeah. Um, but I, it's it's so great, too, to see this. I mean, this guy's 21 years old. And what he's doing is unbelievable. And the Sixers found a guy like this at 21. This just doesn't happen to the Sixers. So, um, And I give credit to, to Doc Rivers for one thing that he's done over the last few games. He's extended the rotation a little bit. And I think that's helped. He's yes. mixed it up defensively with his coverage. They played some zone, especially I've loved the zone. Like basically when Matisse Stiebel is in, you play zone. Yeah. And I love that because one, he is outstanding in it. That's where he flourished in, at Washington. Two, he's generally playing with like George Niang and Montrez Harrell, who he's got to cover up for. So the best way to do that is to throw him in a zone, let him try to get his hands on everything and just and figure it out from there. Um, and, and I give credit to Matisse because I think most of I had counted him out. I I didn't, I was. I knew he was going to get the play at some point, but I didn't think he when he did it would. But I think at this point you have to keep playing him. I, I think he's been good enough and made enough of an impact that and he hasn't hurt them enough offensively where I think you have to just keep playing him and letting it ride because I think he's been that impactful. Shake Milton's been playing a minute, minute or two here and there. And I think it's been nice to have that extra ball handler on the court at times with when it's either James Harden or Tyrese with a full bench lineup. It's good for them to have that outlet of another guy who can actually dribble. A um, D. Anthony Melton, man, he can ball. He can play. He needs to, I, he needs to
2: close. He needs to, close. Uh,
1: he needs to uh, close. P. J. Tucker looked really good uh, against the Wizards. Uh, him and Harden really had that two man game working very, very well. And actually, there's, an, there's another guy on the court too. Who's that? <laughs> I meant Tobias. Um, yeah. Now, Tobias was, was, was decent against against the Wizards. I think he's fitting in his role. Fine, yeah. Uh he did have a rough night in Chicago, but I think he's been fine in his role. Um I have an idea yeah. of who
2: your comparison for jaw is in my head. No, we're not gonna get into it. Um oh, no, I I'm like preemptively mad about who I think it is.
1: Um my I'll say this: my take, and it's not that hot, is that when the playoffs start, uh PJ Tucker should be the backup center. And I think there's like yes, no I doubt think, about
2: it. I think they're gonna do that too, the way they've already yeah. used a lot, they've docked one to that in game two. Way yeah. quicker than I expected. I was worried there was going to be a situation come April. The fans on yeah. Twitter and be begging for him to try it. I think that's definitely happening. Yeah, I think he's going to
1: it probably too much during the, the season. But, uh, yeah, the fact I, I would agree Joel- there. Yeah, yeah, The fact that Joel, when the two games that Joel Embiid is missed, he's opted to start P.J. Tucker at the five and start the Anthony Melton, I think that says a lot about how he views that look and that it's going to be a look that I think uh, is going to be really good in the playoffs. I think so that's a I, good look, man. That's yeah. a good look. You put him and and I would put leave him and Harden out there together because they have such a good they have such good chemistry in that pick and roll. The anything Melton's doing again doing stuff like working in the short roll and working in the high post and like making passes and like it's just adding a different element. And it's nice to have a basketball player that can dribble, shoot, pass, and play defense, do all of the things and not just some of the things. Um, coming off the bench, I think has you. Been you, you don't see good. that a lot in Philadelphia. No,
2: you certainly <laughs> people do. who can um, shoot. And dribble and pass doing all three things. is pretty wonderful.
1: Um, so we have the flyers too. We just want to touch on them real quick. Five, two and one. They're also a good start, but the injuries, man, that now we got Sean Couturier who had to have back revision surgery, which.
2: They're, they're very murky on their injury situation. They don't, they're not truly upfront. And maybe it speaks to more of a hockey thing than I'm I'm not trying to just bury the flyers.
1: No, it's a hockey thing. Yeah. It's a hockey 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 thing. thing. Um, George is
2: maximizing them right now. Which credit to him. I wonder if it leads to burnout, and if not in year one, I think probably into yeah.
1: Well, I, so here is the moment I enjoyed. Um, and I see it because of my good friend Jordan Hall, who writes for NBC Sports Philadelphia. Does a terrific job covering the Flyers. Great um, Flyers writer. Great. Flyers if guy. you if you enjoy the Flyers, you should absolutely be following him. Very good, right down the middle coverage. Um, no bias at all. Like genuinely, he's he's great at his job. But anyway, he shared um a story about um one of the Flyers, pros, not prospects, he's no longer a prospect, but he is a, uh, and now I'm, I'm going to forget his name because I'm an idiot and I don't. Um, uh, Tanner Leszczynski, who is um, one of their younger players who is kind of like a fringy guy. Like, he's not a guy who's in the lineup every night. Um, and, you know, he fights for minutes. He He's not a, a mainstay. So him and his wife uh, recently had a baby. and. Okay. I thought it was really cool that Tortorella, like he, he told him to stay away. Basically, he said, um, he said the quote was great. He said something to the effect of, "Like we're entertainers. This is sports. Um, this, you know, this you you just had like a baby. Like you, you absolutely cannot come back and join the team. Be with your family. Enjoy your family." And I'm like, "Wow, um, that's pretty cool, right? Like that's that's really cool of John Tortorella. Um, you and I have both not been the biggest fans of, of that move, and you know, kind of questioning." Um, If that makes, you know, if it made sense for the Flyers, it felt like same old, same old with him. But um, yeah, Taylor Rosinski, very cool that he got a a new baby boy named Leo, got to celebrate him. John Tortorella told him, hey, don't worry about it. I I thought that was a very cool humanizing moment for Tortorella. And that's the kind of stuff I think like what we talked about before, the benchings and all that stuff can wear. But I think those kind of little moments where you're sticking up for the players and doing cool things, I think that goes a long way.
2: Yeah. I completely agree.
1: Yeah, so it was cool to see. And as a new dad, I also appreciated it. the people at SB Nation were wonderful to me yeah. um, when my son was born. So it's pretty cool. I don't know if you saw our Halloween costumes. I was pretty stoked about it. I did. Um, it, but uh, I was super uncomfortable the whole time. And um, I think me allowing my fiance to be a Ghostbuster while I was in a very uncomfortable Stay off Marshmallow costume is growth. I think that shows growth uh, in me as a person. Um, Look so at what do you think? So f- Phillies, tonight. Game three, What is your what are your predictions? What do you got? Phillies in five, I said, so it's a dub. I, I get that. Well, it's a dub, but what do you think? What do you think is going to happen?
2: Bryce Harper-Homers. Okay. Ranger Suarez gives you five and two-thirds innings of four-hit, one-run ball with four Ks.
1: I like it. I think he's going to go six. I think he's going to go six shutout, shutout innings. I think he's going to be that good tonight. I'm going bold. I think Bryson Stott has two hits. I like that, too. I like that, too. I like a Bryce sto- Harper I'm stockpiled.
2: I'm stockpiled, dude. I'm all in no, on this guy. He's, I love it. He's, a, he's just a gamer. It's just like the – he's such a – the way we talk about God just being like a pure – hoop, like a real hooper in basketball, yes. this guy just seems like the, the baseball – he's a ball player, yes. He's he's the baseball equivalent of a real hooper, I think.
1: I'm going to call someone having a big hit tonight. I think Alec Boone gets a big hit tonight. I'm going to call that. Um, don't know what it is. Don't know when it is. But I think he's about to – He's so clutch for them in the regular season. He needs to I, have his moment.
2: I, yeah, he needs to have that moment. If they're going to win, he's going to have some sort of at home, the place he used to f and hate,
1: now love. <laughs> exactly,
2: something's big's going to happen. He's had some nice defensive plays. He hasn't yeah. had. He's missed a couple of defensive plays. We had some really nice ones so yeah. far in this postseason too. I'm a little more bullish on him sticking third base long term than I was not just before Same. the season, but before the season I thought he was he didn't deserve a start. Uh, but even in the middle of the year, when he got, when he started improving, um, I still wonder if that's not his long term position. I wonder if Reese has gone in this offseason. He moves to first. Mm, they signed yeah. Correa, stop him to second. But that's let's, How about they win the World Trey Series? Turner, and, I don't know. It, yeah. I think I think trade Turner is a finale. So, all right.
1: Well, uh, I'm on not,
2: that, that's not a that's not a rumors thing.
1: But no, uh, they should just win the World Series first and worry about that. Later. I I would think that's probably a good strategy on there. Bro. Um, and I think sure. they'll do that. Uh, <laughs> but I want to cheers to you, Sheamus. Go Phils! Cheers. Let's get a win tonight. To Uncle Joe? To, to my Uncle Joe. Absolutely. Hopefully get a win for you, Uncle Joe. Uh, this is the Thirsty Dogs Drink fast. Excuse me. Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster. But that is not the beer talking. That is just me messing up my words. You uh, might have been Dogs. a little too
2: thirsty when, yes. when you said talking like
1: that. Perhaps. The Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation uh, Network. I am Paul Hudrick. And for Seamus Clancy, we will talk to you all next time.